Hello, and welcome to the second episode of Sworn Testimonies, a podcast where I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Um, I have a very special guest with me today. Um, her name is Jessica. Say hi, Jess. Hi, everyone. Um, so we only have two rules. Okay, Jess. Um, okay. The first rule is that you have to tell the truth, obviously filtered through respect. We're respectful on this podcast. And the second rule is that you get to plead the fifth one time. So if I ask you a question you don't want to answer, you're allowed to plead the fifth and tell me to mind my own business, but only once. Cool? Great. So I'm going to be talking to Jessica today about heartbreak. Um, she recently went through a really difficult separation uh, with her significant other. And uh, unfortunately, because he is a, a professional athlete, the situation was a little bit more public than she probably would have liked. Um, our goal today is to kind of speak to people who have, who have gone through similar situations and feel alone or um, are walking through something similar and, you know, are kind of stuck and feel like you might be feeling like you're misunderstood. I know I've experienced heartbreak and it can be a very isolating experience. Um, so, you know, our goal is to make you feel a little bit less alone in that. Um, so Jess, I want to start by just kind of asking you to share uh, what happened. Yeah. So I was with my significant other for about nine years. We started dating after I graduated. Um, we're friends actually for four years prior to that. Uh, we have now been married for three, um, but have been going through a separation, I guess, for the last six months to a year, maybe, um, and are just at a point where I think the hardest part about this in terms of heartbreak is we're at a point where he doesn't want to work things out, right? So, not only moving forward in heartbreak just in terms of our situation, but moving forward in heartbreak when, you know, someone doesn't want to be with you. Um, so just processing that and moving forward with that and trying to find a way because we have children to also make sure that we're as respectful of each other, but also recognizing that we're both imperfect humans. And so there are times where we make mistakes. So just a lot of navigating new norms for me and the other person. I, one of the things I've always admired about you is how honest and vulnerable you are, even when it hurts. And I know you're a little scared to do this interview. Um, I kind of had to convince us to do this, but I've always admired her strength to just, you know, it's not easy to admit Hey, I want to work this out. And the other person doesn't unrequited love is literally the worst feeling ever. And I don't wish it on anybody. Uh, but I guess I want to start by just asking you, how's your heart today? How are you feeling? Yeah, I think my heart is if we're at a level of zero to 100, my heart is about 70%. And I think that I'm very thankful to have a community and a community that understands that there are times when I need them <laughs> and I need them at all hours of the day, but also a community that understands there are times when I need to be by myself. Right. And so then I can understand, okay, is it me? Am I processing this? Am I being crazy in my assumption or does this make sense? And am I being clear about this? And sometimes I could be making a lot of sense and, but you still have to recognize there are two people in the situation. So also being mindful of the other person too. So a lot of it is just, open dialogue and talking with my friends. That's awesome. I, um, I know that this has been a really difficult time for you, but I think one of the beautiful pieces is that we have really been turning to the word and looking to God, um, to help make sense of the situation. I know I have more than any other time in my entire life. Um, and being able to share that journey with you has been, um, really special. So, not to sugarcoat anything that you've gone through, but I definitely feel like that's, um, it's been a blessing for me to walk through that with you. Um, so I know a lot of people have this question, or at least I do as somebody who's never been married and, you know, has my own fears and insecurities tied to relationship and commitment. Um, when you, when you all first started dating, you know, back in our UVA days and moving into the engagement and marriage period, uh, do you feel like there were signs early on that, you know, something was wrong in the relationship or that it wasn't going to work out? Or do you feel like 
you were sure and there were no signs and it kind of just caught you off guard? Yeah, I feel like there were signs that I wasn't willing to see um, and there was heartbreak early on, right? And I think the more that I've been in the word, it doesn't mean that we couldn't have been together, but it does mean that there are periods where we should have stepped away from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those were moments that I was allowing fear to lead me instead of allowing God to lead me. And I also think there were moments in my life where I had stepped away from God. And something that I was very thankful for my significant other is, you know, one of the things that I always admired about him was he was able to say the exact date that he was baptized. And I really feel like we found our faith together, but that, that was, there was a period in our relationship where we kind of lost that. And I think that there were definitely signs that I should have listened to. And I wasn't in the word enough to realize that. Um, yeah, and I was afraid. I mean, I think that we did things that looking back now, we would have done differently. Um, you know, we had a child before we were married and he's a huge blessing and I have a stepdaughter and she's a huge blessing. Um, but I think there's a reason that, you know, our steps are supposed to be ordered in a certain way. And I think that that made it a little more difficult. And I think I stayed for those reasons. Whereas if we weren't to have had a child, then I probably would have taken a break. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been as fearful early on. So, and then I think there are moments where the signs fade and you think things are going to be great and wonderful. And we've gone back to being the best friends that led us to each other. And then the signs come back and you ignore them again, because you think of all the wonderful, happy moments and all the things that you could be and all the ways that you try to improve each other. Um, And so then you let them go and then Mm -hmm. the signs come back again. Right. And so one thing that I've been very mindful of lately is thinking about, um, and I don't know the exact first, but I always think about is guarding your heart and being thoughtful about who you let into your heart and the ways that they prove that they're deserving of your heart. And I don't think that was something even prior to him. I don't think that was something that I did a very good job of. And so it's something now moving forward, whether it's him or someone else, I'm much more mindful of for the future. Mm-hmm. But there were definitely signs. I was just too fearful to accept them. That's that's such a vulnerable thing um, to admit. I know personally when things happen to me and I played a part in that, um, it can go one of two ways. Like I either don't want to admit that I played a role at all and I'm like, there were no signs, you know, this was all you and it wasn't me, or I beat myself up. And I'm like, how could you have been so stupid? You should have known better. And the blame, um, the self-blame almost turns into self-loathing. Um, have you have you struggled with that at all? Or do you struggle with blaming yourself and wanting to go back and do things differently? I struggle with both, actually, on a pretty consistent basis. Like I um, struggle with blaming myself for not accepting the signs. And so because of that, then I often go to this place, well, then I deserve what's happened to me. And I think that's very difficult. And then I also am someone who um, I'm very angry with him. Right. And I think that's often hard for me to admit because I don't want people to treat him differently because we all make mistakes. Right. And so it's really about how do we navigate from those mistakes moving forward and recognizing that we're both imperfect. So we're also not navigating the mistakes (laughs) very well right now. Um, But then I blame him. So sometimes when I think back on how I could have changed things, it's it's if you really love someone, then you're mindful of the way that you speak to them. And I think I haven't been the best in that because I toggle back and forth with, do I blame him? Do I blame myself? It, it, is it necessary to have someone to blame? I think that often happens too. Like, why do we always feel the need to put blame on someone? And why can't it be, okay, here are the things that we just could have done differently and should have done differently. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that I've gotten a lot better at through friends is I communicate very well with my friends and how I'm feeling and the moments where I'm feeling down and the moments where I'm okay and the moments where I'm frustrated or angry. And I also communicate very well in the moments that I just have not done a good job. Like I haven't been a good friend or I haven't been a good person. 
but I don't think that I did as good of a job of that in my marriage. Mm -hmm. And I think that the other person would openly admit that they didn't do a good job of that too. So I think it's allowed for me to also have those conversations with my newly married friends and something that I had heard recently that I've said to them is like, if you can continue to communicate, then you'll be okay. But Mm -hmm. you just have to continue to communicate. And at a certain point we had stopped communicating. Mm -hmm. I have so much respect for you um, because you've always, you know, you know, with your, with your SL, your significant other, you've always talked about him um, in such a graceful, classy way. Um, and it's really easy to go through a heartbreak and not honor the other person because you might be feeling angry or upset. But even in those moments where you are feeling angry and upset, um, you speak about him with such love and kindness. Um, and I just, I want to commend you for that because I know it's a hard thing to do. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult. And I, I definitely am someone who has not been perfect in that space. Like there are moments where I've said things out of anger that I wish I could take back. And I think we both have done that as well. But I try to always come back to there's a reason that you love this person and you married this person. And those are things that you have to honor. Right. And also knowing when you have children like those, that's the individual that's going to a parent that's going to forever be in their life. And that's one of the hardest things about this particular heartbreak and heartbreak in general is really, really tough. But then knowing like, okay, I have to be around this unrequited love for the rest of my life, right? Mm -hmm. Because of your children, it's not someone that I can just stop seeing forever. (laughs) So, um, I try to be as mindful of that as possible. And I also try to let people know that I'm not perfect in that too. Cause I think that is one of the biggest misconceptions is I, I try my best to be as graceful as possible, but I also know that there are times where I stumble and I'm not as graceful as I could be or w- wish I would have been. And there are a lot of things very early on. I started off gracefully and then went through a, a period of anger. And I think, I didn't recognize the stages of grief because I've never actually had to deal with them. Um, And I apologize if this offends someone because it is different from a death, but I do think I've grieved from it in a way that could be potentially similar to death Mm. um, because it's been the death of my marriage, not necessarily marriage, not necessarily the death of an individual. So there are phases where I was angry and I wished in those periods I could have taken a step back and, maybe talk to someone first before then communicating with him. Um, because I think those are moments in heartbreak and heartbreak that you have to deal with the person forever that can sometimes really, really set you back. Um, okay. So let's talk about anger for a second. Um, I am an eight on the Enneagram. Do you know your Enneagram number? No, I don't. I wish I did for the purpose of this (laughs) conversation, but I do not know it. I'm surprised I haven't sent that to you. I'll send it to you after uh, our conversation. Um, But I'm an eight on the Enneagram, which is a challenger. And a lot of times people associate challengers with being angry, uh, which really bothers me. That word bothers me because I don't feel like I'm an angry person. Frustrated, maybe, yes. Uh, But I think especially as women, there is a lot of negative connotation when it comes to being angry, especially as black women. We have the stereotype of being like the angry black woman, but I don't think it's unhealthy uh, to feel angry in situations where, you know, people have hurt you or something's been done to you. Uh, So when we're talking about anger, how do you, how do you handle that feeling? Yeah. I mean, I, I think there are times where I handle it well and times where I don't handle it as well. And the times I handle it well are when I have I know the people that I can vent to and I can tell them my emotions without them judging me for those emotions. And then I can take a step back and have a different conversation. And the times when I don't do as well or when I just blurt things out without having taken that step back. And I don't think that, I think there are times when I'm angry, but I, what happens is those words, like you said, angry or emotional or passionate sometimes get lumped into that same emotion. And there are definitely times in the situation where I feel like I've, I've either felt bad or have been made to feel bad 
for being emotional. And I think that's also because if you talk to my friends from college, I, I wasn't an emotional person. Like I don't cry. I don't do a very good job of <laughs> uh, being a helpful friend when my friends cry. I don't know usually how to help someone um, other than sit there <laughs> basically and just let someone cry. Um, I'm not very good at comforting. So I think I've tried my best to hide the crying from other people, but I think the best thing you can do is you can stay, take a step back. You can feel okay with being emotional. You can feel okay with crying and heartbreak and you can feel okay with taking that frustration and venting to God, but then also having the people in your life who you can vent to as well, especially people who have been in the word. And I, it's been very helpful to me to, again, like have a process. And in the beginning, I didn't have a process. Like I mm. took everything on as my own. I wanted him to feel good. I wanted to feel good. I wanted my kids to feel good, but I was crumbling on the inside. And it wasn't until really the first moment it was with my parents and breaking down and being emotional and crying allowed me to not be as angry with him. And then I weren't went through spurts of anger and then being able to break down and talk to my friends made me take a little back and not be as angry. And then I would go through a spurt again. So it's a work in progress. Like I, I'm not perfect at it there. I've gotten much better at it, I think lately. And again, a lot of it is just recognizing things that, um, that's the other thing is recognizing your trigger points. Like I, I've mm -hmm. been much more intentional about understanding, okay, if it's about um, kids, if it's about schedule, if it's about traveling, if it's about emotions, if it's about the past, those are all very triggering for me. And I would probably venture to say I'm probably an eight two based on the <laughs> way that you described it. I'm someone who asks a lot of questions. I want to know, I want to understand. And this situation has been hard because I don't know if I will ever understand. Mm. We talk about that a lot too, right? being okay with what's going on. And I love having complete information. Uh, but when it comes to feeling and emotion, a lot of times, you know, information doesn't necessarily help or you could have all the information in the world, but it doesn't stop the emotion and it sucks. It's a terrible feeling. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I know you don't like talking about feelings, um, but I, I want to lean a little bit more into uh, the emotional piece of all of this. Um, so when when you are feeling bad or feeling angry or feeling upset, you know, you mentioned turning to community, uh, but at the same time, it's also very important to make sure that, you know, for the sake of your family, that certain things are kept private. So how do you how do you know what's OK to say and what's OK to share and what things are, you know, should be, should stay between you two? How do you draw that line? I don't know if I've drawn that line just yet. Like, mm -hmm. I think what I try to do is I try to be respectful of the other person and in a way that I would want the same consideration and respect given back. But I also know that it's, I'm not someone who is easily hurt by other people. And so this is very new territory for me because I, have been very hurt. Right. And like, there are times when, I mean, I've cried more this past year than I think I've cried in my entire life, <laughs> to mm -hmm. be honest. Um, so I don't know if I've distinguished that line. I just, what I've distinguished are the people that I can go to without judgment. And I think that's been the, what I've learned, like who, mm -hmm. who I can say things to and who I can't. Um, and so then the people who I know I can say things to, I haven't had to draw a line there, but I, I think I've also from a very early age, have just been a good judge of like internal character. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe not in this situation. So, you know, you can always be proven wrong. <laughs> um, from a friend perspective I have, and so I have really probably three people, um, that I on a daily basis can just share what's going on and be open and honest about it. And that's really hard too, because um, there are times when I just don't do the right thing. And so having friends who can call you on, out on that, that's really hard. And friends that you can be transparent with, that's really hard. 
Um, so I think heartbreak could, can be really difficult if you don't have that. And I haven't, I think the thing that's been helpful for me too, is I, I haven't established a secure church family here. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I did initially was ask, you know, a core group of girls, can we have Bible study virtually? And that was a saving grace for the beginning of it because I didn't, I think that church can be a place where you do have people that you can go to and maybe have that um, conversation and have people who maybe you don't necessarily have to draw a line with. And when you don't have that, that can be difficult. So finding that and then keeping that and having it be consistent was really, really helpful early on to help process the anger and emotion. Mm. I think um, it's hard and I can speak to that um, on, you know, from being a third party in the situation. I think when heartbreak happens and separation has to happen when two people have joined their lives together, um, it's hard for the people who were involved, obviously, because, you know, they're the ones that are actually going through it. But for the people on the outside, it can be really difficult as well. Um, And as a third party who loves you very much and um, also still loves your significant other as a friend. Um, even after all of this, I struggle sometimes with, you know, trying to keep my emotion out of it because I don't ever want my emotion or my anger or what I'm going through in my personal life to seep into the advice that I'm giving you. Um, I don't want it to affect your opinion. And sometimes I have to say, okay, what just told me made me angry. Am I angry because you know, of what happened? Am I angry because it's triggering based upon something that I've gone through? Am I angry? You know, am I responding to, you know, what the other person did and how I'm like, how I would have handled in the situation. And it can be very complex. Um, So even sometimes I know when we have conversation, I have to check in with my heart and pray for a second and ask, you know, what's my motivation for telling you what I'm telling you. And it's, it's just hard all around. And So speaking of, you know, third parties and involving people and the public. uh, So, you know, let's, there was infidelity involved in this situation and you very early on decided to um, kind of go to, to Instagram to explain or out yourself. I should say, I think outing yourself can be very powerful. Um, What made you decide to do that? Yeah, well, I think there are two parts to that. The first one was I outed them. And I mean, there's really no nice way to put it. I did it out of anger, right? So that's where the anger seeps in and you make decisions that might be outside of your character. Um, but I was angry. Like I felt like I had built a life with someone. And when you talk about community and sharing things and explaining and talking to someone like this, this was, that was my person. Like that was the person I went to when I had things I needed to talk about or, you know, the person that I felt like I could say the most things to without judgment. And when that changes and when you feel like that person hasn't been honest with you and you start to lose that individual where you, you didn't have to previously create a boundary with, it's emotional and it's sad. And I was just angry. I mean, there's really like, I wish I had a better answer for it other than that, but I was angry. And then after the anger, then I felt bad, right? So then I felt guilty. And it was, Mm -hmm. that was where I thought about that line of public and private. And should I have kept this private? And I have so much love and respect for this person. And what have I potentially done to um, diminish the way that other people think of that person? And not that anything, I think the thing that I maybe justified to myself was that there was nothing I said that was untrue. Right. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that it felt good to the other person. So Mm -hmm. after I came down from being angry, then I felt guilty. Then I felt bad. Then I felt sorry for even going through this situation, felt sorry for him, felt sorry for myself. And then from there, I, I went into protect mode. And I think that's something that I'm still struggling with. I have a tendency to protect the other person and not want them to feel consequence. And 
then I get upset when the other person doesn't feel consequence, but I do a lot to shield them from consequence. And that's a part of love. I think that's a part of knowing that I did truly love someone. And I think that's a part of the heartbreak too. When you feel like you go through so much to protect someone that you love, and then you sit down one day and you think, would they ever do the same for you? And realizing Mm -hmm. that maybe they wouldn't. And that heartbreak of not only do they no longer want to be with you, but now they, they give that shield of protection that they used to have for you to someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, and then move that not only shield of protection, but then they move that this life plan we had for each other and they take you out and they insert someone else into the life plan. So now it's public and I'm at a point where did I do, should I have taken it back and never made it so public? But I think the beautiful thing is that I had the opportunity afterwards to out myself and say, I was hurt and this was hurtful, but there's a love that's still there. And I want to honor that love. And I think that people were receptive to that and have been receptive to that. And I think that's for me has help that sense of protection and other people still being there because we do have a lot of mutual friends and my goal is to never make people choose, but rather have people there to support both of us. Because Mm -hmm. if anything were to ever happen, that's the way that I think about it. If something were to happen to me or something were to happen to him, I would want our, our friends to be there to support either one of us, no matter what the other had done previously. Are you, um, are you embarrassed? Yeah, 100%. I'm in, I'm embarrassed because I think it compounds one, someone not wanting to be with you and being open and public about that. I think two, being in a public relationship and having people know that the other person is no longer with you. I think embarrassed because it makes you look at everything that you do and question, is this good? Was I good at this? Was I wrong at this? Do they like this other person better because of this? What could I have done differently? And it makes you, you question your self-worth a lot. Embarrassed because it's not the norm in my family to get divorced, right? So you have embarrassment, then you have this idea of failure and it makes all those things different. I think when you have so many overlapping friends, that's tough. And a lot of times I think I've made it a little easier for myself because I try to make a joke out of it. Like people don't know what to say and they don't want to say mm-hmm. something to hurt you, but it's like the elephant in the room when you first start to come back around. And so oftentimes it's easier for me to just lightly make a joke about it. Or, or I think instead of people comforting me, sometimes I often have to comfort them and let mm-hmm. them know that I'm okay. Um, But yeah, I don't, I think I would be lying if I said I wasn't embarrassed. And I think that I would be lying if I said like, I don't love or value marriage enough to figure things out. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm not in, it's not my call anymore. And so being accepting of God and whatever plan he has for me to know that, okay, this is not your calling right now, but I do believe that you know, I'll be in a loving, committed marriage and relationship in the future. And I'll be a much better person for whatever this experience will teach me. Mm-hmm. And I'll be a much better wife for it too. I get emotional talking to you about this. Um, I'm almost happy we didn't do a video call. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, as you mentioned, you having to like comfort other people, in addition to, you know, having being triggered myself, moments of like just feeling really embarrassed and rejected and knowing what that feels like. Um, but also, you know, me not wanting you to feel embarrassed. Like it, it hurts my heart when you, um, to hear you say that, uh, because I, you know, I've, I've watched the situation unfold and you've just been such a class act and you are so strong. There are times in my own life and in my own situation where I say, okay, what would Jess do? How would Jess handle this situation? Um, and I, like, I, I, I want you to know that, um, 
you're so brave. Even the fact that you're willing to be vulnerable and talk about how you're feeling. I don't know a lot of people uh, that would admit to feeling embarrassed or just admit to the humanity in the situation and not letting ego take over. So I, um, I really, I really commend you for that. And I hope you know how strong you are. Yeah, I think I'm very blessed to have friends like you who tell me that because I think the other thing that makes it hard for people and heartbreak is what we associate with brave and strong and courageous. And I'm very lucky and thankful to have friends who even in moments of weakness will call that brave, right? And so Mm -hmm. I think that's been the thing that has made it easier for me to be vulnerable because before I would associate that with like, you know, putting on a game face and not letting anyone know what's going on and, you know, having the tough exterior, but to have friends who call bravery, call vulnerable, sorry, vulnerability, brave and courageous and those things that has made it easier for me because I previously was not someone who liked to talk about things. And it's very difficult for me to find friends to be weak with. Right. And so, especially again, when you're going through a heartbreak and with marriage, like you, that to me was my best friend. And so when you lose your best friend and you lose the person you can be vulnerable with, like, it's hard to grasp on the things. And I, I feel like God put the friends that I have back in the right places in my life at the right time Mm -hmm. and to allow me to be vulnerable with them. And I think it's also helped with resisting different temptations, right? And filling a void in ways that could be unhealthy. I've been thankful to have friends that have allowed me to be vulnerable with them and call that brave so that I can continue down the right path instead of straying towards a path that really could lead to more destruction. Mm, let's, I, gosh, I, I, we are so similar in so many different ways. Um, I remember when I first started going to therapy, uh, my therapist would ask me certain questions and I'd respond and be like, no, I would never do that. I would never say that. And she would ask why not? And I'd say, because that's weak. Um, and I remember her asking me, where along the way did you learn that being emotional and vulnerable was weak? Uh, and I just started crying because I was unprepared to deal with such a heavy question. Uh, and we ask all the time, like, I think as women, we're expected to be this ride or die, right? Like, what does it mean to be a ride or die? And you say, okay, I'm in a situation and my heart was broken. Um, does trying to work it out and stay make me weak? Or does that make me strong in love? Like saying that I'm forgiving and I'm kind and my love is strong enough to move forward. Or does walking away make me strong because I know my worth and I'm not going to let anyone treat me that way? Or does that make me weak because I'm afraid to forgive and to lean into the vulnerability that comes with forgiveness? And it can all feel so confusing. Um, So, you know, just taking it day by day and really going to God with every single uh, situation and not trying to worry about how you're going to be perceived and making sure that the decisions you're making are really in line with like your own values. Um, and also taking the necessary steps, right? Like I think people don't talk about therapy enough and I was very thankful to be given a recommendation of a therapist who has really helped kind of similar to what you were saying, ask the hard questions, right? And like a lot of people don't know that, I mean, I had to take time off of work. Like I I was having a really, really hard time and I would cry at random moments and I couldn't really talk to people and I couldn't focus on my work. And, you know, my therapist was like, well, it's more likely than not because you are depressed. And I was like, depressed? There, well, first of all, no, <laughs> I'm not that. And second of all, I have not gone through a traumatic enough experience to even be depressed. And, you know, people go through so much worse and so many more difficult things and all this, you know, and all these like con- notions that I had of what it mean- meant to be depressed. And I remember mm-hmm. her kind of doing the same thing, like literally showing me 
definition of depression and signs and all and and symptoms and she was like tell me something on there that doesn't fit what's going on right now and like coming to that realization and coming to the realization that I needed help and coming to the realization that I needed to take time off but also it allowed me to when I was taking time off to think back on things that I could have done differently like you know one of the things that I will always regret is we never finished our premarital counseling. Mm -hmm. And I think that at the core of our, I'm going to use the word dysfunction, um, at the core of our dysfunction was a lack of communication at a certain period and also really a different foundation of what marriage is. And I think if we would have sat down and continued to go through premarital counseling, we would have either A, discovered or rediscovered those things, um, or B, have discovered them and been able to figure out how do we work through those as we plan on getting married um, mm -hmm. or, you know, taking the steps to say like, hey, you know, maybe we aren't meant to be married to each other. Um, so just thinking about like heartbreak and if, you know, therapy and is that something that you should pursue if you're going to get married and to save yourself potentially, potentially, right? Because every situation is different. The heartbreak of divorce, the importance of premarital counseling, the importance of certain conversations. And then also, I think that there was a codependency that neither of us realized. I was very codependent on him and he was very codependent on me. And in the moments where we were separated, then the natural tendency was to then lean that dependency on someone else. Mm. And so finding that, you know, you want someone who builds you up and, you know, encourages you and, you know, gives, lifts you really. And, but you don't need that to be the sole source of your uplifting. And so I've always mm. said like moving forward, I don't want to be dependent on someone for my confidence. I want that person to compliment my confidence. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's something that, that, that's really one of the signs where we should have realized like our relationship was headed towards the wrong path and it was becoming unhealthy because we used to be each other's biggest cheerleaders. And at some point that changed and it wasn't that we weren't each other's biggest it wasn't that we were rude to each other. We just didn't cheer <laughs> at all. Mm. Um, and so I think that made things very tough, but it also made it really easy to accept the cheering from someone else. Mm. Um, whether that's right or wrong, I think it's, I think it could happen to anybody. Wow. Um, thank you for sharing that. And yeah, I think codependency it's it's a tricky subject, right? Because it means so many different things to different people. What is that? When you say codependency, what do you mean by that? I mean that a lot of our happiness was dependent on the other person and dependent on what the other person did for us or the way the other person made us, made you feel. Um, and having someone there with you all the time, right? this inability to lift yourself up or inability to do things on your own, really. Um, so I think it's great to have your partner there with you all the time, but it's also you like knowing that, okay, I have this person with me all the time, but I can, I can also function if this person weren't to be here with me too. Um, mm -hmm. So just, just a reliance on the other person for confidence, happiness, um, and guidance maybe. So mm -hmm. it's, it's okay to have those things on another person. You just don't want your reliance to be on it. That's your sole source of that. Really that source should be God and it should be then, you know, the, the, the advice that I give to my friends that they, when they're talking about getting married and they ask me, given what I've gone through is it's, you know, it should be God, then your significant other, then your kids. And I think we oftentimes either I, I personally probably put the kids at the top, then probably God and then my significant other or kids and significant other, then God, um, when really like it should have been God, significant other, then kids. And I mm. think that 
I, I can't speak for what the other, what the order for was for the other person. I, I don't know if I would, there's not a clear way for me to tell what that order was. Mm. Yeah, that's, um, I want to chime in, but I've never been married. So <laughs> I'm, I'm listening and learning from you, um, as I do every single day. I think you're such a source of wisdom. And, you know, I love being able to process things with you as well when I'm in a situation where I feel like, especially uh, in relationship and I'm not sure, you know, if I'm being codependent or if my feelings are justified, I, I hope that you do continue to trust yourself because in spite of the mistakes that you've made, um, you're one of the wisest people that I know. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, I think it's the, you know, my friends sharpen me. So I, I'm wise because I walk with the wise and having, you know, you as my friend and having other friends. And I don't know if I can say their names or not, but (laughs) so, but you know, I, I, well, I'll start with our virtual Bible study and like having you in the virtual Bible study and having my friend Ryan in the virtual Bible study and having Kim in the virtual Bible study. I think that's a core group that is a group of wise women and wise, not because we always do the right things, but wise because we've been self-aware. And I think that there is a wisdom that comes with that and being able to share that advice with others. Um, but, you know, and I, I use that as the the core group that has really helped, but also recognizing that, you know, I have really friends across the gamut that have just like continued to check in. And I have my best friend that's continued to check in and Patricia and I have like just across the board, really. So I, you know, I think starting with the core groups, that way I don't feel the need to (laughs) name everyone makes it a little easier. (laughs) Girl, that accountability um, is so important. And even like in our Bible study, and just even with you as a friend, I, the other day, um, you texted me and you were like, how are you? And I was like, I'm wallowing and I'm going to sit in the dark and eat pie all day. And you FaceTimed me like, absolutely not. I will not let you. Um, and my first inclination is always to just like hang up, babe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you know, just being able to have friends that know your heart, um, and don't judge you, like you mentioned before. Uh, but then another layer of that is holding you accountable because it can be so tempting to have yes friends who, always tell you that you're doing the right thing and always support you and that they will support you in an unhealthy way. And that, um, you know, they're going to be a hundred percent behind every decision you make, as opposed to having friends who are like, "Mm, let's check that. Let's check your motivation. Let's check your why. Remember when you told me last week, X, Y, and Z, and it's annoying, uh, but it's so necessary. Yeah. And also I will say that not we're not all perfect in this, right? Because when your friends hurt, your immediate reaction is to be like, well, that person is not a good person and this and that. But I I think also what's that core group of friends and my best friend have consistently and actively tried to do a great job of not condemning the other person, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're going to focus on you and what you need to be better and how we get you to move on to the next phase. And we're not going to do that by condemning the other individual like we're not going to focus on them right you can't control their actions you can only control your own and i think that's something that's been very helpful too um and like you said in terms of accountability it it makes it harder right because when you make a mistake you're like yep no one else can (laughs) claim that mistake but me yeah um but i think that's a very very important piece when you get to a certain stage of heartbreak is okay how do I focus on me and making sure that I'm a better person and I'm in a better place moving forward? And I think like, yeah, even sometimes I know it can be even harder to talk to family than to friends uh, because they love us so much. And sometimes they think love is like bashing the other person, Mm -hmm. Uh, but that doesn't help the situation. It just makes you feel worse, especially if you're, if you love that person. Um, do you feel like in general, you've had relationships where you've had to step back a little bit because, you know, they, they've made it kind of difficult for you to express how much you still love the other person or have kind of, you know, been tempted to bash the other person? Yeah, I will say, thankfully, it's, um, I can 
count on my hand, like how few people it's been. But yeah, I have. I have had friends that I've had to take a step back and not because of the lack of love that I have for them, but because like you said, the overwhelming love that they have for me and wanting to make sure that I understand my worth, but maybe they've communicated that in a way that is more bashing of the other person. Um, and it's okay to take a step back from those people. I'm very thankful that my parents haven't been like that. And I think that's been hard for my parents because my parents love my significant other as if he were one of their children. And, um, and actually my parents have both, Oh, I know at least my, my dad has, um, and probably on behalf of both my parents have even reached out to say like, this is hard and we're upset and we're disappointed, but we love you no matter what. And Mm -hmm. that's something that was really important for me because whether we're together or not, again, this person is going to be in my life forever. And this, we, you know, this is a person who will always, we will always support and be there for. Um, and, And that's the same way it is with your friends and your family. Like people make mistakes and they don't do the right thing and you don't stop loving them. You don't give up on them. You don't wish ill or harm on them sometimes, (laughs) but for the most part, you you know, you want them to be okay. But yeah, I've had friendships. I haven't, I haven't had in my situation, I haven't had any family. So I'm very thankful for that. But I think even if it were family, I would do the same thing as I've done with those friends is take a step back. And I think those friends have recognized that. And I'm also very blessed to be able to say, I've been able to take tips take steps towards mending those friendships because Mm -hmm. they recognize that too. Yeah. (sighs) So tough question for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you regret getting married? Mm. (laughs) I don't know. I think Mm -hmm. in theory, I'd like to plead the (laughs) one question. Um, But no, I don't. I uh, I I married. I know I married for the right reason. I know I married because I love that person, and there was something in me that knew that person had the potential to be a good husband and a good father. I think right now they just weren't the person to be those things for me or in our situation. So, do I regret it? No. Do I, what I do regret is I wish we would have taken time apart in the moments where there were signs and maybe we wouldn't be in the position that we are now. Mm. I don't know if that's I, the right answer, but that, that's no, how I feel I mean, in this moment. It might, it might change. <laughs> there's no right and there's no wrong. Feelings are fluid and um, hopefully people recognize that. I think, you know, circling back to this idea of taking time, you've mentioned uh, I was listening to this sermon on heartbreak by uh Pastor Rich Wilkerson and Don Sheree, who I really, really love and respect their journey. I think they're an incredible um, couple and also just very wise. And Don Sheree was talking about how, you know, she has a lot of brothers. And if they were to get hurt because they all played sports and no one would say to them the next day, like, oh, your leg is broken. Well, just get back out there and figure it out anyway. The game's dependent on you when there's you know, a physical injury involved, a broken leg or a torn ACL. Is that what it's called? ACL? Mm -hmm. Uh, We recognize that it's important to take time and to let it heal. Otherwise, you could do more damage by jumping in. Um, Whereas, you know, when it comes to an emotional injury, for whatever reason, people are like, oh, you were emotionally injured. That's okay. Get back in, jump in, it'll be fine. Um, And how much damage that can do Um, If we're not actually taking the time to like heal our hearts and it's a lesson that I've learned as well. Um, That being said, you know, there, you mentioned that you do want a family and well, you already have a family, but you do want to be married again, which I think is a very brave thing to desire and to want. Um, What does that timetable look like? I don't know if I have a, predetermined or structured or set timetable. I think that I have to get to a place where 
I I haven't figured out what that is for me because I think a part of it is sometimes I think about, okay, you're ready when you stop letting the other person's emotions or decisions control your actions, or you're ready when, um, you know, you get to a place where you no longer care about the other person's opinion. Um, and that doesn't control your actions or you're ready when you don't get this like ping anytime you hear about, you know, this person and another person basically. But I don't really know if that will ever go away. So I don't have a timetable. I don't know what it'll look like. I am trying my best to recognize the signs whenever God will put them in front of me. And I think I'm trying to do a better job of being in the word in the morning and listing out, you know, things that I'm thankful for. So one of the things I've been trying to do is come with my gratitude first and all the things that I'm thankful for first, and then say the things that I'm struggling with and then talk about my desires and then pray for those desires and, and kind of lump all those things into a prayer. Um, I'm trying to be better about reading. I think Bible plans have been helpful. I listen to a lot of sermons as well. So I, I just want to sit and feel it and hear it when the time is right for me. But I don't know if I have a specific timetable. Uh, I would like to say that I'm ready now because I think it's very tempting to run to someone else in order to run away from someone. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I think that's the biggest thing. If I'm running to someone to get away from someone, then I know 100% I'm not ready. Are you afraid that you'll never feel ready? Yeah. I'm afraid that I divorce is not, is personally not something that I believe in. And so I'm afraid that I will always be tied to this person and not be able to break away. Um, But I'm just kind of seeing where it goes for now and just trying to put my trust in whatever God's plan for me is and surrender to that as much as I can. Um, I mean, it's helpful to have people who are very complimentary. (laughs) So... (laughs) I think that that, I mean, that's been nice. Um, but yeah, I, I think that is a worry. And I mean, it's a worry to not be able to find someone. It's a worry that I won't feel love for someone that I felt before. But I think it's also just as possible that I feel more love for someone else and that I find someone that's more amazing and more fit for my soul. So I try to not let the fear and worry consume me. But I think the part of heartbreak that people try to hide is, I mean, I do cry over those things. I do cry over those worries and those concerns. But then I remind myself like, okay, if you truly trust and believe in God the way you say you do, then why are you worrying and crying so much about it? It is human to do it. And it's, I don't fault myself for doing it, but I have to remember what's supposed to be on the other side and what my belief system is. It's so interesting how, um, and like at times of feeling so brokenhearted and so afraid, um, those are, those tend to be in a very messed up way. Um, some of the sweetest times that we have, uh, with God and with ourselves, uh, because it's, you know, you're not forced to, to trust and faith doesn't matter if, you're confident in what you can see, right? Your faith is only tested when you're in a situation where you can't see the future. And when you look around, you know, the facts aren't in your favor. Um, and you're able to keep walking and keep moving forward and say, you know, God, I'm afraid and I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to make the next right best decision. Um, and it's, it's not easy to do. It's so easy to have these conversations about trusting God, but when it comes down to it on a daily basis, you know, like, are you going to trust God or are you going to try to manipulate the situation and turn it into what you want it to be? Because you don't think that God can do it. 
Um, yeah. and it's, and I've tried to do a lot of manipulating <laughs> <laughs> early on, you know, well, I'll do this better and I'll do that better and I'll do this and let me try this and let me then make sure I'm perfect in this way or loves this. And it, I mean, it just delays learning and being better. Right. Mm. So I have my one final, um, I guess not even question, kind of a question. Yeah. For you. Mm -hmm. Uh, so for people who may be struggling with heartbreak or who are listening, um, and you know, might feel very lost and hopeless, you know, we take, we, for whatever reason, like you mentioned, when people are going through something like a death, which is, you know, terrible on a a whole nother level. I don't think it's, you can compare it. I don't think it's healthy to compare pain. Um, but we give people space to grieve, but when it comes to heartbreak, we expect people to move on very quickly. And it almost seems unfair um, because pain is pain and the depth of the pain, um, it, it, it depends on the person. And heartbreak can be devastating. Like people have committed suicide over broken hearts. People have gone to war over broken hearts. Um, you know, legally speaking, I would this even be my podcast if I didn't talk about the law? Um you can be convicted of a murder, but you can get a lesser charge for a crime in the heat of passion if somebody that you love or have been in committed relationship with is like doing something egregious, like cheating on you in front of your face. The court says, even we understand how devastating heartbreak can be. So we'll lessen your charge from murder to manslaughter because we understand. Um, and when you think about it in that context, I think it gives you, it gives all of us you know, a little bit more of permission to grieve and to feel devastated um, in situations of heartbreak. It doesn't make us weak. So for people who are going through or might be going through a similar situation, what advice um, do you have for them about just being able to like move forward and get through it? Yeah. I mean, I think it is truly taking the time to grieve, number one. and not letting other people tell you, you shouldn't feel this way, or you shouldn't feel that way, or you shouldn't, like, you feel how you feel, and you manage those feelings the best way that you can. And I think it, having community doesn't mean having 10 people that tell you, yes, 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 yes. Like, you just need that one person that you can confide in, that you can talk to, Um, a lot of like, depending on your denomination of faith, I think for some people that's confessions. I think for some people that's going to church, I think if you're in a place where you're not quite sure of your faith, then that can come in the source of friends. Um, and I think you have to be mindful of who you're choosing. And, you know, when we talk about guarding your heart, it doesn't necessarily always mean in a romantic way. I mean, that can be with your friends too. And so being thoughtful of the friends that you have the conversation with. Um, but I think it just takes time and it takes community and it takes rebuilding your self-worth. I mean, something that I had to do was look at what do I love to do? What's going to cheer me up? And that's travel. And that's difficult to do with little ones, but I found ways to do it. And that's something that makes me happy in it makes it so that I'm refreshed and it gives me a new sense of life and purpose and what can I do next? And I haven't quite figured out what my purpose is, mm-hmm. um, but I have moments and spurts. That's of a that whole nother I, podcast. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that'll be great. So, but I think there are moments and spurts where I can see that when I start to do little things for myself. Right. And so I think that's important. Um, just having the moments for yourself, having community, giving yourself time to grieve and don't jump from one person to the other. I mean, I think socially we call it a rebound for a reason. Um, and you want something that's stable and you want to start off the next relationship on the right terms. And you know that relationship could be the continuation after you figured things out of your previous relationship in a healthy way. Or again, it can just be moving on to a new relationship and making sure that that relationship is healthy. Mm. I know I said that was the last question, but you just keep saying so many good things. Have (laughs) have another question. 
Um, and feel free to tell me you don't want to answer it if you don't want to answer it. Um, do you, do you want your significant other? Do you want to work it out? Do you, do you want to stay married? What is your desire? Have you let go? Um, I've, I mean, I haven't let go. No. Um, I think that I have a desire to restore my family and I have a desire to really do whatever is in God's will. Um, and so I'm stuck in that place in this moment right now. I mean, I, I think there are moments, I think right now, yes, I would want to work on my marriage and I would want to rebuild a healthy and sustaining life and future for our children. Um, that might change and that feeling might change. And, but I think really at its core is this desire and, um, kind of significance importance that I put on marriage. And Mm. I think that's something that I really don't want to break. Um, so I think that's the hardest part really. I don't, I think I go back and forth as to whether or not he's the right person for me. And do you believe in a, like a soulmate, like a right person? Or mm-hmm. do you think it's just, it could work with anybody? Like what are your thoughts? I think that God has designed it so that it will work with anyone as long as you are working towards him and you're being one together um, and you're continuing the communication and the conversation. Um, but I do think that he has also made it so that you have free will to pick that person and to recognize certain signs and flags. And I think that there are leadership qualities that you should look for in the other individual and ways that they can show you that they're ready or not ready for a marriage. Um, and so I think that in the phase of life where we were married, there were signs that that probably wasn't the next best, right next best step for us. But I think that God has designed it in a way where we should have been able to make it work and and figure it out regardless of that. Um, So I don't know. I don't know if I have an answer to that question right now. I think the most honest answer I could give is, and yes, like right now I would love to work it out. Um, And would you say that you're, I struggle with the word in love. Like, what does that even mean? Um, Like what's the difference between loving someone and being in love with someone? I think we put so many arbitrary words together when it comes to love and we listen to media and it's like your heart has to flutter and you have to like know and there's this inner feeling. Um, But in my experience, a lot of times being in love, actually, usually you're in lust and then you choose Mm. to love the person. And then after you choose to love the person consistently, you fall in love. Like it's hard to fall into something that you haven't chosen. Love is a choice. Um, That's my, that's how I kind of think about it. But um, do you feel like you are still in love with your significant other or ex significant? Yeah. Other? I mean, I, what I was always taught was you choose your love and you love your choice. Mm-hmm. And so I think that goes back to the question that you asked before about regret. Do I regret it? No. Right. I made my choice. I chose my love and then I decided to love my choice. Right. Like you make it work from that point on. I think though, what I recognize is what that person is indicating is there's something that is not making them happy or fulfilled and there's nothing I can do, right? That is something that they have to look to God for. And so if they're looking for that fulfillment in me, as much as I love them to want to fulfill that space for them, that's something that I can't do. Um, And so the I know that I love that person because despite of anything, like I just want them to be happy and Mm -hmm. I've done things. And I think that's where like recognizing your mistakes and the anger, right. That you have sometimes is you don't show that love in the best way. Um, And so I think like, I've been very mindful of showing of now taking a step back. Even when I'm upset, 
reminding the person that like, I have so much love for you that I want you to be happy. And let's, you know, rethink this conversation. Let's be calm in this moment. Let's be honest with one another, but let's also have a respect for each other that shows Mm -hmm. that we once had like a strong love, even if you don't have that strong love for me anymore. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Jess, I am so thankful for you. Thank you for being vulnerable um, and for being brave enough to do this. I I'm just so continually in awe of the woman that God has created you to be, and I'm so thankful to have you as a friend. Um, and I'm I'm praying for you. I don't say that, you know. People be like, "Girl, I'm praying for you," and that is the prayer, like when they say it. Uh, but I actually really consistently in my daily prayer life am praying for you and for your heart. Um, So thank you for having this conversation with me. You're so welcome. I'm very thankful for you and for my community and being able to have someone to walk through this moment with. And also, I think the biggest thing is like learning that even though this is a season, I'm thankful for God having created a friendship and a sisterhood in us that will last a lifetime. So a lifetime a lifetime so <laughs> and it, you know the good things and it was um, come out of some bad moments it was really you know i want to let people know it was important for us to do this too because when we're struggling with certain things we love like sending each other like videos and podcasts and articles like girl did you read this have you watched this this might help you <laughs> uh, but it's it's so hard to find people who are being honest about what's happening in the moment. I, on my last, my last podcast, I talked about, you know, the lows and the highs, like people will tell you about the low, like I had this terrible low thing happened. And then when they're talking to you about it, they're on the high, but now I'm at a high place and you're like, okay, but the valley and the peak actually make up a very short piece of our journey. Like what happens in the in-between, you know, like how are you getting through those moments day to day in the in-between? And so uh, we wanted to be able to, you know, have this conversation and for you to be able to share your thoughts in the in-between and when there still is a lot of unknown, um, where it's not like, you know, the emotion of just finding out that your marriage is ending and it's not like the end of the love story where you're living happily ever after yet, uh, but you're still kind of like taking it day by day. So I'm just, I'm thankful that you were willing enough to be vulnerable, even in that space, not knowing what tomorrow is going to look like. And I think it'll, uh, it'll be cool if we could do like a three month or six month check-in. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good idea. Awesome. Well, I love you. Thank you everybody for listening. Um, if you have thoughts or have encouraging words for Jess, you can shoot me an email. I think my email should be attached to the podcast that you're listening to. Um, and I will be happy to share them with her. Hope you all have an incredible day and thank you for listening. Free.